The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbercast, the only baseball podcast in the world that could beat the undefeated Tampa Bay Rays. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and they ain't played nobody. We will get to the Rays a little bit later. I have an apology to make, but for now, let's introduce ourselves. How are you doing, my friend? I am great. We are no longer in the same place. We have returned to our respective homes, but the podcast rolls on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It was so good to see everyone out. Uh, at Camden Yards over the weekend. We will review our live event experience at the end of this show, but we have a lot of ball to get to that does not necessarily have to do with the Orioles, but we are going to stay in the AL East and start with the Rays. Basically, this show, we're going to bounce around some of the teams that have caught our attention in the early going. We're going to rate the Sunday night baseball game as we will do every Monday. Then we're going to talk about who has changed our minds so far this season. Uh, Then we'll talk about our event, look at the week ahead, and say adios. Jake, we have to start with the team who, as we uh, discuss on the morning of April 10th, has still not lost a major league baseball game in the regular season, at least. I should go back and I'm see doing that right now. last spring training. I'm doing yeah, that. Who, doing that who right whooped now. on the Rays in, in <laughs> Grapefruit League action? Um, all right, so let me let me set this up. Yeah, you, you got an answer? Yeah, they, they, the Rays lost their last two uh, spring games against the Tigers and the, the Yankees. The Yankees were the last team to beat them uh, in a game of any sort. There you go. So the Tampa Bay Rays are 9-0. 9-0 doesn't, like, <laughs> maybe because we do so much college baseball and we see teams go 9-0 all the time that you don't fully understand how impressive 9-0 is. And I think a good way to, to set it up, and then there's obviously historical precedent we can get to, is the fact that going into any regular season, I love, you know, tracking who's still winless, who's still undefeated. And without fail, every single major league regular season – by four days in, everyone has lost and everyone has won. And so, because that's Major League Baseball, because it's really hard and even the bad teams are better than you think. With all that said, as we know, the Rays have not played the toughest schedule so far, and we can get to that in a little bit, but 9-0 and is 9-0. and They're the first team to start a season 9-0 and since the 2003 Royals. The last team to go 10-0 was the 1987 Brewers, who started the season 13-0. and Who could forget the that Rays bunch? they got some work to do. That was a hell of a squad. So that uh, that will be a, a you know the next mark for them to set. Also, the 2003 Royals. We know their season turned out to be unforgettable, really memorable stuff. Um, that said, let's talk about how the Rays are nine and zero. Okay, not not who they've beaten, but just like what the, the qualitatively what is what has occurred in these nine games. Well, Jake, they have the best run differential. In over a hundred years, mm. all right. So that seems like a pretty good place to start. I believe they are at plus fifty-four uh, through these first nine games, which is the best since the eighteen eighty-four New York Gotham's. Who could forget? As well as the eighteen eighty-four St. Louis Maroons, of course. So plus fifty-seven in nine games. They have a one eight-nine team ERA as a team. They are hitting two eighty-nine, three seventy-nine, five eighty-eight. 
for a 967 OPS. They are leading the league in home runs with 24. They have hit more home runs than they have allowed runs. That seems like a pretty good recipe for success. Uh, and in terms of some of the individual performances, the entire lineup is has uh, you know an above average batting line except for Christian Bethencourt. Bum. But everybody else has been amazing. That includes, of course, Wander Franco. That includes, of course, Randy Arozarena. Uh, both of those guys have 13 hits. Josh Lowe looks tremendous. Harold Ramirez has continued to rake. The entire lineup is amazing. And on the pitching side, we're coming into the season. We said, oh, wow, this Rays, they have like a real adult rotation. Even if Tyler Glass now is hurt, um, this is a pretty good group. And indeed, Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rasmussen have combined to not allow a run yet in their four combined starts. Shane McClanahan looks great. Zach Eflin looks pretty good. Josh Fleming, we love you because you went to Webster. He has been the weak link so far. The good news is that Tyler Glass now will hopefully be back soon. Uh, and the bullpen has been fine, but the starting pitching has really been what has stood out for the Rays so far. So that is what is amounted to the 9-0 start. From what you've seen from them, before we get to the teams they've played, uh, who has who has really jumped off the screen? It's Wander Franco for me because he came up with so much hype two years ago and his 2022 was very weird. He missed a lot of time. He is a 22-year-old shortstop, okay, with incredible bat-to-ball skills and burgeoning power. He has four home runs already. If Wander Franco is going to hit 35 home runs and hit 300 as a shortstop, and steal 15 bases, then the Rays might just, you know, be this good. Not in this way and this good necessarily, but like they might be legit legit if Wander Franco really is this kind of guy. Yeah, no, he's he's certainly the one that Randy has elevated to star level. And Brandon Lau, I think, is another one to mention who we've seen at all-star level. Having him back healthy is certainly huge for them. But they, even last year when they made the playoffs, was a lot of good players, and Wander was hurt, and so he was clearly not at full capacity, but now he seems to be on a mission to remind everyone why he has been considered the most talented player his age since he was like 11. Right. <laughs> so I think I know that being on the Rays makes it harder to be on all of the commercials as some of the other younger players, even, you know, Julio Rodriguez, of course, has been at Tatis and Soto and, and Vlad Jr., but like, he is right there. He is every bit as talented. And while we've said, you know, you've talked about what, what was our remember our question uh, for the race coming into season? What was it? Will Stephen A. Smith know who Wander Franco is or something along those lines? I mean, we're, we're at least working in that direction, which is very encouraging. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. The Rays, when they've been good, have been kind of like the blah stars where they are greater than the sum of their parts because yep. of how this organization does things and because of how good it is. But you're not like. Besides the year Randy, you know, told everyone to sit down, you're not like tuning in for specific people, you're tuning in for the team, right? And this team doesn't feel that way, especially with Wander and Randy, but like if Josh Lowe is anywhere near this good, even close to this good, like he could be a legit guy. Yandy Diaz is starting to prove that like last year wasn't a fluke. I will never like... I, Brandon Lau is not exactly appointment viewing, but he's definitely awesome, right? And mm -hmm. the pitching staff is entertaining as well. Um, but Jordan, I think it's time for me to apologize. Yes, we have to talk about what has become the discourse around the Tampa Bay Rays, which is the they haven't played nobody. Uh, you sent out a tweet yesterday, quote tweeting, 
uh, our good friend Jeff Passan. Passan, of course, tweeting the, the fun fact. They're the first team since 1884 with a run differential more than 50 over the first nine games of the season. Um, as, he, as he also points out, in 1884, the mound was 50 feet from home, and it was the first year pitchers were allowed to throw the ball overhand. Uh, underrated just baseball history thing is how many rules changed between like 1875 and 1884. Like, you know, it was like nine balls to walk a guy and the mound was changing like every two weeks, like great stuff. Anyway, long time ago, been a while since anyone started this hot, but Jake, you wanted to point out that they ain't play nobody. So how did you choose to make that point? Bad tweet alert. Bad tweet alert. <laughs> bad tweet alert. I'm reporting myself to the bad tweet police. Here is what I said. Quote, this is like if the University of Georgia football team beat the University of Alabama, Birmingham, Louisiana, Monroe, and Troy by a combined score of 185 to 7. The Rays are definitely good, and 9-0 is impressive, but they've whooped the Tigers and Atenees. Excited for the start of conference play. I am sorry and i was wrong i did a bad tweet it takes a big person to apologize and so i'm not sure how that will go for me considering i'm a little man with a little brain and a little heart but i'm gonna do my best i made an unfair comparison on the internet i did that i'm choking up about it now I made an unfair comparison on the internet. My fault here, my number one fault, was wading into waters that I did not know. I do not watch college football. I do not care about college football. I do not particularly even like college football. And yet I said, I went online and I said, here's something about college football. Now, is it potentially embarrassing, disqualifying, unprofessional for me as someone who makes a living commenting on baseball to be this incorrect about baseball on the internet? Yeah, probably. And I'm embarrassed about it, Jordan. And so I would like to formally apologize to the Rays. I still believe that they played nobody. I do believe that. Well, I, I yes. They have not played nobody. However, this comparison is flawed. And that is because the University of Alabama, Birmingham, Louisiana, Monroe, and Troy are like horrible compared to the University of Georgia. They will beat Georgia 4% of the time, 1% of the time. Even the worst teams in baseball beat the best teams in baseball 30 to 40% of the time. And that is why my tweet is flawed and why I will never talk about college football ever again, even off air. And I am very sorry to raise fans, a fan base who has been an unfair recipient of scorn, of mockery, of ridicule over the years due to the unfortunate reality of their fan base that is of their organization that is outside of their control. So Tampa Rays fans, I am, I hope you will forgive me. I know it will take time um, for these wounds to heal, but I was wrong on the internet and I will admit it. Here's what I'll say about your bad tweet. Uh, What made it particularly bad is you, you were pissing off a lot of people for different reasons, right? Because you had the college football people jumping in and being like, actually, this is a terrible comparison. And the Rays fans being like, hey, this is impressive. So it was a, it was a very, you know, it was pointing in a lot of different places that that allowed, opened you up 
um, for some some disagreements. I insulted eight fan bases in less than 280 <laughs> in characters. One tweet, which you didn't even use. You probably had characters to spare. You could oh, yeah. have squeezed in some more, some more stuff. Now, I appreciate you standing up and saying, listen, I screwed up. You didn't delete it. You came on our podcast. You use your platform to be wrong, and now you use your platform to apologize. That's that's maturity, right? That's there. America. Right? Now, now here's what I will say. Let's let's get the crux of the issue, regardless of your complete lack of college football knowledge, because yeah. that's fine. I can excuse you on that. I would have made a terrible comparison too. Um, but I will say that there's also a group of people that were like, "This is just disrespectful to the A's, Tigers, and that's like they are major leaguers." And that here's what I'll say to that two things. One. Yes, in one sense, that yes, they are major leaguers and they, as Jake just pointed out before, way more likely to beat any of the best teams in MLB than any of the worst teams in college football are to beat the University of Georgia, of course, right? However, it is, I think, an indisputable fact that there is a really good chance at the end of the season, these are the three worst teams in baseball. That That is a thing that I feel very comfortable saying. We would have said it if we if we noticed what the Rays' schedule was to open the season beforehand, and we will say it now because of the way that they've played, not just because the Rays have kicked their ass, but because of just, if you compare them to the other poor teams in the league, these might be the three worst. And so that, you cannot you cannot get around that. Now, it's true. Beating them to a pulp, to, an, to a literal historic degree, deserves celebration and deserves credit, which we are giving them. But you, it's to, to act like it's just a regular. They they really did end up with the possibly the easiest slate to start a season that you could have, which is fine. They did it because here's the other thing: other good teams have played bad teams and have lost to them, and the Rays have not, and so they deserve the credit. Totally agree with you, and I think multiple things are true here. This team is really good and really hot and kicked everybody's ass to a ridiculous degree, and like you said, they deserve credit for it. But I think we can also recognize that if the schedule was a little bit harder, they either would have lost a game or not beat them, the other teams, by 100 runs in every single outing, right? Like, that's the other thing to me. It is the run differential. That is is highlighting the disparity in talent between these two teams. And the last thing I'll say is, does the Rays hot start change my mind about the Rays? If they had come out and beat the Astros and the Yankees and like the White Sox and gone nine and zero, I would feel way more eager to be like they're going to win the AL East than if they did this. I still feel better about the Rays as a team than I did two weeks ago, for sure. And a lot of that has to do with Wander and Jeffrey Springs, I think. But I, 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 it, it, there's still a part of me that's like, okay, like I tweeted again. Sorry for the bad tweet. Let's get into conference play. And then we can have a conversation. The Rays are really good. I'm sorry to Rays fans. They're they're awesome. This team is really good. Conference play. Yeah, and we're about to, right? They're about to have a four-game uh, series with the Red Sox this week starting tonight. So that'll be a nice, a nice little start for them. But the other thing about it is it's April 10th and they have a three-game lead in the division. You know, like that's 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 hard to do. And that is a nice, a uh, nice thing to accomplish. So um, so no, we're we're excited. And 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 also, if anything, right, like as we said, they're more watchable than ever, you know, and that that's what really makes makes it exciting. So listen, nothing against them. I I I hope I hope they I hope they do go 13, 14, 15 and 0. Like I'd love to keep talking about them so that this can be one of the more exciting stories. There's a reason I'm wearing my 
Tampa Bay Devil Rays shirt, courtesy of Scott Rogowski. All right, Jake, let's move on to some other teams that have caught our attention. Now, listen, one of the beauties of having three episodes a week this regular season is that we can talk about everyone. We're going to have time to talk about almost everybody. And so who cares about the teams you know, who have been merely good and already famous and they're going to get our attention to all the Yankees and the Dodgers and who cares? Don't care about them. We got to talk about the Brewers. We got to talk about Twins. We got to talk about the D-backs who just took three from the Dodgers. And then we got to talk about the Pirates. So and this we will go a little bit quicker here. We will talk about the Padres who took three in Atlanta. We will get there too. Don't yes. Worry. No, of course. But they, but again, that's a team that <laughs> we will be talking about all the time. All right. But let's begin uh, in the Midwest here where the Milwaukee Brewers, I believe, have the second best record in baseball at seven and two leading the NL Central. Um, what What's working for, for the Brew Crew? Because this is a, a nice little start to their season. Uh, they are hitting. And I think that is surprising considering this offense has been kind of underwhelming for the last handful of seasons. But there are a number of guys in the batting order that are raking quite a bit, led by Brian Anderson, who I think we mentioned last week coming over from the Miami Marlins. He's been spectacular. Bryce Terang has come up as a rookie and really impressed in the infield. Willie Adamas is just, that guy is underrated. Talk about something the Rays missed was just giving him away. I understand they got Wander Franco to fill his place, but they, man, Willie is freaking awesome. Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer, two rookies who look really good. And then Jesse Winker, I know he wasn't as good over the weekend, but seems to be very much uh, being helped by the shift, I would say, is Jesse Winker. So this offense is purring right now. Freddie Peralta and Brandon Woodruff have been spectacular. Corbin Burns has been downright awful. But the bullpen and the lineup have been good enough that they are still seven and two. Anything but mid in the Midwest. Yeah, and that trio of rookies is a great example of now they were they were first round picks, Mitchell and Terang, but not necessarily sky high on prospect lists. But if you give guys who have experience in the upper minors, who have talent, and you let them run with it, and the Brewers clearly decided they were their best options. Weimer uh, and Mitchell and Terang. And I know Luis Urias got injured and is out for a while. And that's kind of what opened up the spot um, for Weimer to come up. But like that is clearly giving them. And they're already saying like, yeah, the young guys are giving us a lot of energy. And like, it's a new flavor. Because that Brewers team too was really uninspiring down the stretch last year. And so it's it's nice to see some new faces kind of carry the, carry the load there in the early going. They have a 12% jump in their Fangraphs playoff odds already, which is yeah. kind of wild and makes yeah. me be like, hey. Yeah, but I, I'm not going to look at that <laughs> page for a while, but hey, hey, look, they're four games up on the Cardinals and it's April 10th. So that is some kind of uh, achievement. I know the Cardinals have been disappointing to start, um, but we're not going to freak out too much about that, but we can certainly give credit to the Brewers. Staying in the Midwest, we go up to Minnesota, who just took a series from the defending World Series champion Houston Astros, a team you are very high on coming into the season. You picked the Twins in the AL Central. And while Cleveland also looks pretty good and the White Sox still look like a mess, the Twins are looking excellent and maybe not necessarily for the reason we totally expected, although I know you were more high on the pitching this year. So what's going right for the for the Twinkies? They'd be chucking the ball, Jordan. They're hucking the puck, okay? They're flinging the pigskin around in the backyard. And they're throwing it by people who are swinging and missing. This pitching rotation has been splendid. They've been absolutely super duper. Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray have 
both made two starts. They have combined to allow just two runs total. Joe Ryan was outstanding before he allowed a uh, grand slam to Jordan Alvarez the other day. Kenta Maeda looked spectacular in his first outing. And then the bullpen has been really good. Duran, Jorge Lopez, and Jorge Alcala. Like, we knew this team would rake. We thought this team would rake. And they they have-ish. They've kind of struggled at the plate more than you would expect for a 6-3 and three team that took two or three from the Astros. Um, but the, I have faith that a lot of those guys will come around, that Buxton will get back to ridiculous levels. He's been good, but not quite outstanding. Correa, Carlos Correa, and Jose Miranda have both been total dog shit. And so mm-hmm. if they, I mean, like Correa is not going to be a 37 OPS plus hitter all year. <laughs> I would hope Unless not, his ankle plate sake. like starts setting off TSA alarms and he can't travel to the team. You know, I, I have faith in, in this lineup. Uh, and so I, yes, I am even higher on the twins now than I was two weeks ago. Here's what stands out to me about twins. Not just the two, four, eight ERA. That is the second best in baseball. Um, behind only the greatest team ever assembled, the Tampa Bay Rays, it is that they are second in baseball in K per nine. The Minnesota Twins, like when we looked at this pitching staff, it was like, oh, it's way better. Like, because they have a bunch of competent adult mid-rotation starters who will have an ERA in the mid threes or the high twos. Like, that's great. But I, at no point did I look at this group and think they're going to be striking dudes out. And that is what has happened so far. I know the bullpen, you know, has a little bit more swing and miss stuff, but that is what has impressed me the most so far about the Twins. And you got to mention Trevor Larnick, who I think you mentioned before, but he's someone who had a huge spring. Certainly, some we, we wondered who was going to really step up. I know Kepler's hurt now in that mishmash of seemingly redundant corner outfielders with him and Gallo and Kepler and Kirilov and Walner and whatever. I mean, Larnick's looking like a dude. And if, if he's going to carry it over, like, that's that really makes this lineup look a lot more interesting once Correa gets going. We move to the desert. A little bit different climate than Minnesota and Milwaukee. Not the Midwest in America, but the middle of the NL West, kind of. Mid-NL West, yes. That is what we're talking about. But they are not in the middle this time, as we project them to be, as the Arizona Diamondbacks sit in first place. Tied with the San Diego Padres, but most importantly, they just took a series from the Dodgers. Remember, they opened the series or opened the season splitting with the Dodgers in Los Angeles for the first time, I I think, since 2018 that they did not lose a series at Dodger Stadium. And then they have bounced back uh, in this series after uh, playing the Padres uh, in the middle of last week with three straight big wins over the Dodgers at home to take that that series uh, overall. They are now 6-4. and four. What's going well for the D-backs? This is a little bit different. Yeah. You know, when you look at the Rays <laughs> and you look at the uh, even the Twins or the Brewers, it's like, damn, they got a lot of guys playing well. On offense, it's not really looking that obvious what is going well besides Josh Rojas being amazing. Correct. And yet here they are. They just like kick the Dodgers' ass for three straight games. They have one guy in the starting lineup that's Rojas with an OPS plus over 100. They have one guy in the rotation that's Merrill Kelly with an ERA plus over 100. And yet here they are at six and four, just whooped up on the Dodgers. So I would say that I am a little bit more skeptical about them than the two teams we just talked yeah. about. They are incredibly entertaining. That is the thing I will say. Yeah. This team is super watchable now. And that is led, they, they are led in that regard by Dre Jameson, a rookie pitcher who is uh, kind of like, I'm trying to think about how to describe him. It's like the Spencer Strider, Dylan Cease, 
like sh- I know Cesar isn't short. I keep thinking Cesar's short. It's like the Spencer Strider, like shorter, quick armed guy that's very whippy. He's been pitching out of the bullpen for them. He's been incredible in, you know, three games. I believe he's now going to move to the rotation with Zach Davies going on IL. Keep an eye on Dre Jameson. Tune in for his starts. He is not just good. He's super fun to watch pitch. Well, and relevant to that, to that, you know, news, which is that he's going to move to the rotation. Him, Strider, Cease, these are the guys that this stuff has never been in question, but 70% of the scouts that see him say, probably a reliever. And if he can prove it, if he can get outs for five innings, which he has done generally in the minors, you know, he, he does not look like a starter. Like that's, that's still true, but the stuff is tremendous. Um, but yeah, they're currently rocking a minus three run differential as they sit tied in first place. Very different than the plus 57 or even the plus 13 that Minnesota is rocking, the plus 25 that Milwaukee is rocking. So credit to those teams who have been off two very good starts. One other team we wanted to mention who's off to a much more surprising good start, although that may have been uh, derailed yesterday, is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are, what, 6-3 and three now, even with the loss yesterday, uh, managed to to be uh, in uh, you know near the top of the NL Central, you know, chasing down the Brew Crew. What is going right for the Pirates? This one is, I think, even more surprising than these other teams, who we already projected to be solid, if not great. This was a team that we were still expecting to be kind of near the bottom, and you looked at the lineup, and you looked at the unproven pitching, and as many as the veterans as they added, it was like, okay... We're just trying to develop these younger guys, move it along. Instead, Brian Reynolds in his ongoing, uh, will he extend, will he not, looks like he's been one of the best players in baseball. Andrew McCutcheon has been incredible. He's not just been an incredible story. Connor Joe has been hitting. Some of the young pitchers like Mitch Keller, Johan Oviedo, Roancy have been very good. So I don't know. I It's, it's, it's exciting because on the pitching side, Rich Hill and Vince Velasquez do not look good, which is fine with me because I would rather see Luis Ortiz sooner rather than later. Um, but as far as the the staying power for this team, we'll see. And the Cruz injury yesterday, fractured ankle in a very weird play, uh, certainly makes me concerned about how much I am going to tune into the Pirates. But what do you think? Let's get to Cruz in a second. Rich Hill. I wrote a long thing on Rich Hill. I love Rich Hill. It might be getting close to time to get Rich Hill a clipboard. I'm not ready to call it a career yet because he has, you know, no one has proven the haters wrong more often than Rich Hill. That being said, yikes. Uh, he has not, not, not pretty good. so far. More runs not. allowed than innings so far in his two starts, which is not what you want. The thing with this team is that they do have a bunch of young pitching coming up and already in the big leagues who I think has a chance to be really good. And once those guys take those roles from Hill and hopefully Vince Velasquez, this team does smell a little bit like the 2022 Baltimore Orioles, where they are an organization that we believe, quote, knows what they are doing. That doesn't mean that they are doing a, the best job ever or that they have good players or that they're going to make the postseason or win the World Series. But I think you and I agree that like this team is smart or smart adjacent. And therefore I have some faith in them to squeeze wins out over the course of a season with a suboptimal roster. Could I look stupid in a month from now with egg on my face, but this team still has six wins in a month. Now they're six and three, then they'll be like six and 30. Maybe 
I just believe that they do not suck. Like, I feel great that they do not suck. Yeah, I'm mostly there. I, I don't know. I'm I'm going to be patient with this team. And the cruise injury is such a bummer because I, as I was talking about at the end of last season when they were terrible, I'm still tuning into every O'Neill Cruz at bat. Like, you just do not know what you're going to see with him. And he's been he's, – he's spectacular defensively too. Even if he's not the best shortstop in baseball, just watching him defend is a is a, just a marvel. And so I, I hope that it's not as serious as it looked. I mean, a fractured ankle is a fractured ankle. No one said, you know, sometimes with these injuries, immediately it comes with he's out for the year. Haven't seen any of that. So that gives me some hope we'll see him again this season. But it's just, it just sucks. Um, but yeah, Brian Reynolds is, <laughs> listen, I know he's not the most explosive personality, but that dude is really good. And if anything, they should obviously extend him a sap. And it's also cool to see McCutcheon playing as well as he has. Uh, all right, Jake. Let's get, listen, let's get, to, we, we talked about the teams that might not ever be on Sunday Night Baseball. Let's talk about Sunday Night Baseball before we take a break. Um, I know on Friday we already talked about one of the best games of the season, which was Braves and uh, Padres on Thursday night. But on Sunday, it was also the Sunday Night Baseball game. I know last night's game was a little bit less interesting, but this was a great series. I know you watched a good bit of this while I was uh, commuting home. Uh, what was your takeaway from the Dylan Dodd game that did not go so well for Dylan Dodd? Dude, <laughs> do you mean Dylan Ood? Are you are you Dylan Dude or Dylan Dodo or Dylan Ood or Dylan Odod or Dylan? Like there were way more possibilities than even you tweeted about. This is a good tweet from Jake, by the way, not a bad tweet from Jake. Um, but yeah, it was it was very funny. I don't know. Why we didn't think about maybe are there spring training jerseys different? Like I don't know why we weren't thinking about this before, it, even in his first start. Dylan Dodd, it looks like a bunch of circles. Okay, it looks like a bunch of O's. D's and O's look the same in baseball font. Okay, <laughs> and so it looks like ooh, or as I tweeted, oh 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 O'Reilly. <laughs> <laughs> no free ads or do, 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 or dodo or so whatever good, you dude. want so yeah i i love this um i know <laughs> dylan dodd's uniform um t- distracting from dylan dodd's performance whoa hey whoa dylan hey don't name, talk about say. that don't talk about that dylan dodd was okay, dylan yeah. bod dylan or dylan dylan do 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 uh the padres freaking crushed him incredibly impressive series win for San Diego going down to Atlanta and taking three of four. They dropped the first one we talked about on our last show, and then they just went boop, bop, boop, took the last three. Saturday Night Baseball was a dud. If I had to rate last night's game out of 10, sorry, last night's game was a dud. If I had to rate it out of 10, I would probably say it was a two and a half. Dylan Dud. Nelson Cruz hit a freaking tank, which is always great. He looks relatively fine, I guess. Uh, despite being, I believe, the oldest position player in baseball. But yeah, the Padres just whooped them. They whooped them last night, and that's really all there is to say. Uh, San Diego is real. They are real. They are not a mirage. This is an incredible baseball team, and Fernando Tatis Jr. is back in 10 days' time. Yes, and Machado has been, I mean, I guess he has a bunch of singles. He has not hit a homer yet. Um, He's been, but obviously Bogarts has been great. The, The Hassan Kim home run last night was incredible. Uh, that was a, a really, really fun, fun home run. And yeah, so far, you know, Cruz and, and Carpenter have been pretty solid. So we'll see how the pitching shakes out. I know Lugo's been awesome. 
Uh, we're still waiting. It seems like Musgrove had a setback, so it doesn't seem like he's going to be back that soon. Uh, but most importantly, Brent Honeywell Jr. is pitching, and he looks spectacular, and it makes me very happy. Machado has the strip club batting line. <laughs> yes. Uh, singles only. All right. We are going to take a quick break. And when we return, we will tell you who has changed our minds so far this season. We will review our live podcast event and tell you what we are looking forward to on the week ahead. We'll be right back on Baseball Bar Breaks. Hey, everybody. I'm James Hinchcliffe. And I'm Alexander Rossi. And we're the hosts of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. As two friends who have a collective 18 years of experience driving an IndyCar and one season of experience on Dancing with the Stars, we know what it takes to be successful on and off the track or dance floor. That's why each week we will give you a peek behind the front curtain and tell you what life is really like for professional IndyCar drivers and second place finishers on dancing television shows. Download Off Track with Hinch and Rossi on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here on Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. All 110 pounds of him. Let's take a little gander, a little glance at the baseball season that's been so far in the early going. Okay, we cannot make any conclusions, but what we can do is talk about who changed our mind. Jordan, who has changed your mind so far this year? Change my mind might be a little strong, but I have to talk about this guy, and that is Matt Chapman of the Toronto Blue Jays. I've talked about how he is is one of the more interesting players coming into this year just because of his very strange up and down where he was a seven-win player in 2018, seven-win player, almost an eight-win player in 2019, and then has been a a three-and-a-half-win player in 21 and 22. And so far this season, he is leading the league in war. He's leading the league in RBIs. He's leading the league in hits. He's obviously still playing uh, stellar defense at third base. He has the chance to be the best free agent position player this winter, uh, you know, besides Shohei Otani. And this is just, not only is it like, are we setting up a monster, you know, platform season, but as far as what I think of the Blue Jays, I had already settled into just being like, you know what? It's going to be as far as Vlad and Bo can take them. Yes, they have Springer. Yes, they have these other guys. They have great plays. They've added to the pitching which has certainly been disappointing so far. But if Matt Chapman can be back to, even if it's a five, six win kind of season where the offense is more consistent, the hard hit rate is more consistent, the contact is more consistent. I'm, I can't be surprised because we have seen him play at this level before, but I, I, I'm, I am very, very focused on how well he can sustain this. Obviously still really early, but super impressive so far. So have to shout out Matt Chapman. Love that. I'm going to also... Take a Chapman. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take Ray Chapman. Oh, interesting pick. Interesting pick. What happened with him in the last week? Uh, let me take a look. Uh, oh, sorry. Wrong guy. I'm going to take a Roldis Chapman. I get them confused all the time. Totally yeah. understandable. I'll take a Roldis Chapman who looked cooked like a turducken over the offseason. And I thought he was being sent to the baseball equivalent, the MLB equivalent of an old folks home, uh, the Kansas City Royals bullpen in the year 2023. And it was like, all right, well, I guess that, sure, he's going to go there and that'll be that. And he'll be on the Guangdong Tigers by July. And we'll look back and say, what a thing a Rollis Chapman was, right? But the bearded, left-handed flamethrower seems free of his Yankee shackles, the pinstripes are no longer weighing him down. 
because he has looked absolutely freaking sick. Four outings in Kansas City. His fastball is up a tick and a half compared to where it was last year. He has not allowed a run. He has struck out eight in those four frames. He feels rejuvenated. We've heard from some people that he's having an awesome time. Like, he's just so happy to not be in New York. Um, and so, a role this, like, I guess he's got another couple of years. Um, if he can continue to do this, at least this season. I would say at the beginning of this year, if we had to rank Kenley, Kimbrell, Chapman, I probably would have gone in that order. And now I would take Chapman over Kimbrell without even thinking about it. And in two weeks, I might take Chapman over Kenley too. Yeah, I think the interesting thing to monitor with him is if he is so happy now to no longer be in New York, he's still some of the most obvious trade bait in the entire league. And so they still may well just trade him to a huge market, whether it's the Dodgers or whether it's whatever. Um, I know there are still a lot of fan bases that understandably do not want this guy on their team. And yep. I know that there are Royals fans that do not want this guy on their team. I would not, want, so this, I think I would not want this guy on my team. Yes. Uh, but we just, it, it, as Jake pointed out, there's, there's a reason we bring this up is that somehow he just looks like he's back to his full self that we did not think was going to be possible. And so whether we like it or not, he is probably going to be a story this season when people realize that he has a, you know, 45% strikeout rate in June and still throwing 103 miles an hour. So, um, so yes, that is our Chapman update guys that have maybe changed our mind so far. Ray Chapman, uh, yes. Ray Chapman's still dead. Still dead. Got it. All right. Thank you. Uh, we move, uh, to, <laughs> before we get to what we're looking ahead to, we gotta, we gotta make sure we acknowledge what happened this weekend. What happened this weekend, which is that the Yankees beat the Orioles on Saturday night. All right, that's not what happened on Saturday night. Uh, I mean, that is what happened on Saturday night, but not the most important thing from our perspective. We were lucky enough to host a live podcast event on Saturday evening, 5 p.m. outside of Camden Yards at Section 771. Shouts out to them for hosting us. Uh, it was an incredible time. Thank you to everyone that came out and said hello. Not just our family members who, of course, flooded the crowd, uh, but all the very, very kind people who listen to the pod and have supported the show in its many iterations to come say hello and to come enjoy our show that we did. Of course, if you were not there, you maybe have already listened to it. Um, of course, it's been on the feed. Had a special guest, Kevin Brown, did a lot of Orioles chat, did a really fun game at the end that we had a lot of fun with. We hope to be able to replicate stuff like that in the future. But yeah, Jake, I mean, I thought it went pretty well, right? We, we didn't totally embarrass ourselves. I thought it was great. Highlight for me was easily the cleanest bar bathroom I've ever used in my life. Oh, I didn't even get to go oh in there. That's God. that's big time. Shouts out section seven seven one. Brand new. I mean, we know they just opened like a week ago, but that's that's really encouraging. one of my family members was like, uh, "Let's go into the stadium. I'd rather use the bathroom in there than this bar." And I was like, "Nope, you are wrong. This is <laughs> what you want to do." So shouts out to section seven seven one for taking care of their Johns. Um, yeah, dude, it was super. It was so humbling, like to get to do that and be outside the stadium and. How all those people there and, you know, only about 50% of the people who showed up were people we knew, um, which was nice. So, we, you know, we got to pack the crowd with <laughs> pack the seats. I, it was really cool. Oh, yeah. I, I can't say enough about how enjoyable it was. And we're very lucky to get to do it. And we're very thankful. Yeah. And we uh, also to everyone who came and said hello during the Orioles game, spent some time out in right field. Now, the game kind of stunk. Big uh, stunk. We had Johnny Brito against Cole Irvin. And even with the pitch timer. 
it was just a slog. And maybe this is just the Yankees. I, I don't really know what it was about this game that made it feel like it was lasting so long. A lot of walks. You know, we had some pitching changes. Some, but, you know, there were some moments. Listen, John Carlo hit an extremely memorable home run that was not off of Cole Irvin. We thought it was going to be off of Cole Irvin. Instead, it was what the first pitch off of Austin Voth uh, just rocketed over Baltimore. Um, so that was cool. Got a couple diving plays in the outfield from Oswaldo Cabrera, Taron Vavra. Other than that, really pretty, pretty standard stuff. Nothing too exciting. Um, and, and yeah, but you know, hey, it's fine. Orioles still look uh, pretty solid. Two quick Camden Yards thoughts. Um, number one, the Camden Yards inner concourse where you can walk kind of around the whole stadium might Elite. be the best feature in any big league park. I totally agree. I was trying to think there's no way it's the only no. one, but it is a game changer during the year on so many levels to have a play, not only an easy way to get around, but it's as simple as right. It, an incredible view and a way to walk around the entire ballpark while, while seeing the field from that low down. With no no trouble. No one's like giving you shit for standing. Even if you stop and stand for a second, like the ushers aren't going to try to tackle you. Well, the way it is, right? Like there are some parks where there is that kind of mid inner bowl lane, but Mm -hmm. you can't see. I think this might, City Field might kind of be like this, where you can't really see over the row in front, right? Mm -hmm. Or there are the ones where there is the inner bowl lane, but you're blocking the row behind. And so they don't want you to stand there. This is the perfect combo where you're not blocking the people in the back of the inner bowl, but you can see over the people in the front. And so you can like, you go get your food and you go to the inner bowl and you're walking around and you're, it's amazing. It's an absolute game changer of a feature in a stadium. And maybe I'm just regurgitating things because this was built 30 years ago, but like it rules and every ballpark needs to have this from now on. Yeah. And it's, it's also simple as like, if you're trying to get, and I know that this is, we're talking about, you know, the lower levels and their seats up in upper deck, but like if you're in the lower level and you want to get anywhere in the stadium, you don't have to miss a pitch, right? It's, it's almost that simple that you can walk around like that and not miss. And a pitch. that's a good thing because my other takeaway is that Camden Yards needs some upgrades and I'm not trying to <laughs> steal the money of hardworking taxpayers of Baltimore. The Angelos should pay for it. But the inside, the belly of Camden Yards, like the concourse and the food situation and the bathrooms and concessions, all that stuff needs to be updated because the lines at the yard were ludicrous. And now I know that some of that has to do with Saturday night against the Yankees, bigger crowd, that shouldn't be a problem, right? Like it feels a little bit outdated. It has been now 30 years, I guess, since they built it. Maybe they've upgraded since then. But that was my other unfortunate takeaway is that the inside of Camden Yards, not like the stands or anything out that you can see on TV, but the backside needs a little bit of an up, an, an update. Totally fair. Uh, but yeah, so thanks again to everyone who said hello. Hopefully we'll be doing more live events in the future. Nothing planned imminently, but hopefully, uh, yeah. And if, if you've got a free Orioles themed Barbacast t-shirt. We hope you enjoy that as well. All right, Jake, let's look at the week ahead. What are the things we are most excited for in the upcoming week of baseball? Uh, what would you like to begin with? I would like to begin with the series of the year. Nationals, Angel. No, I'm kidding. I would like to begin with the A's Orioles 
because this is a real Staying in Baltimore in Baltimore, a real mop opportunity, a mop four games in a row, a four game sweep. The Orioles have a real mop opportunity here against Oakland. And if they lose any of these games to Oakland, the Rays are the definitively better baseball team. And I have to go live in a hole forever and wallow in my shame. So I'm excited to see the Orioles get to uh, maybe whoop on lesser competition. Uh, yes. So as, as I've mentioned, we'll be tracking mops all season long. Still have not seen a mop so far in the nine uh, possibilities, the nine opportunities. But we have the A's of the Orioles for four when we have the Red Sox in Tampa. That's certainly the series that's going to have my attention, certainly until the Rays lose a game. If the Rays can mop the Red Sox, I know they're at home, but if they can mop the Red Sox to move to 13-0, and which would, of course, tie the 1986 Brewers, now we can start having right. some real undefeated talk. It, I think then the discourse really becomes real. It's like if Boise State wins in Week 8 against the University of Hawaii, then we can start talking about their national uh, championship chances. Does that track? Jake clearly has le- Jake has learned his lesson. <laughs> or not. Uh, okay, uh, and then they go to Toronto. Toronto, by the way, playing their first home game of the season this week. The only team that has yet to play a home game, I believe that is happening tomorrow. Yeah, but it's um, is it so, a home game because it's against the Tigers? So, you know. Uh, oh, no. Oh, right. Games against the Tigers don't count. I think we've made that. Games against clear. the Tigers no, don't count, especially like Detroit's already Canada anyway, basically, you know. Oh, that is an interesting point. That is an interesting point. I'm just glad that Alec Manoa will be starting that game. Um, for the Blue Jays, I love I love Alec Manoa. I love that he is just their guy. So that will be uh, fun to watch. I love watching uh, those series. Um, but yeah, I would say those are the those are the things that stand out. Any other any other notable? Yeah, series I'll I'll just quick hit. I'm just gonna quickly run through each of these things. I mean, there's some really good stuff. Uh, Astros Pirates, the Battle of Root Sports, uh, White Sox against the Twins. Another opportunity for the Twins to prove themselves. Yeah, just some great weird interleague. We got the Mariners at Wrigley. And the Astros, I know formerly of the NL Central, so maybe not as interesting <laughs> playing at Pittsburgh. Yeah. But yeah, Mariners at Cubs. I mean, that's that's pretty funky. Very weird. We've got Yankees-Guardians rematch of last year's ALDS. We Are we going to get Naylor against Cole? Maybe a little Rock the Baby action, some shades, Ooh, I some forgot spice. About that. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned uh, Red Sox against the Rays. Can the Rays remain undefeated? Gene Segura's much-anticipated return to Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia as the Marlins take on the Phillies. Mets. Sox twins. Sox twins is good because yeah. the White Sox have been weird I as mean, hell. The hitting has actually been as better than expected, and the pitching has been even worse. And so uh, if the twins just kick their ass, we might just be now con- be like, all right, White Sox, never mind. Sorry, Pedro Overfull. Just do your best. But hopefully, hopefully it's not as embarrassing as last season. Padres Mets. Return to the scene of the NL wild card crime. No Musgrove, though. No Musgrove. No Musgrove sticky ears. Yeah, maybe another Padres ear will look soaking wet. Maybe the Mets fans will show up this time instead of in the NL wild card where they were they just like knew their defeat was imminent. Uh very excited for that series. I will be at those games uh today and tomorrow. Braves Reds hmm. is happening. Uh, as is Royals uh, Rangers in a spring. Mm. Is that spring training or are they? <laughs> yeah, they might as well just just be in surprise. Uh, that's a good one. And then it's funny that we went seven named 50 series and not mentioned Dodgers Giants, who is not necessarily as, uh, you know, uh, high. I know I'm sure their fans care a lot about it. But as far as a neutral goes, it's not quite as sexy 
as it was a couple years ago. But plenty on the slate. Hey, hey, I'm hey, excited. Hey, we'll be hey, back hey, on Wednesday. Hey, oh, yeah. I'm going to mention every freaking series. Oh, at this point. Oh, so you're like, you've come this far. Yeah. So now you'll mention every yeah, series. This okay. is good. this is a good bit. This is good bantering. Okay, I'm going off the cuff on every series around the league. Uh, Cardinals Rockies, Jordan. A winner against Nolan mm. Arenado, I think, is probably fair. Uh, yikes. It is his, it, it's a, the annual return. He will go. He will play. He will homer. Uh, the fans will give him a standing ovation. And Rockies ownership will be like, oh, nice. There's 35,000 people here at the, at the beer garden with the baseball field. We don't need to build a good team. Nats going to Anaheim, which I'm sure Otani will homer like eight times in that series as well. And then uh, Brewers Diamondbacks, which is makes me think of that that awesome Niger Morgan playoff series from way back when. Yeah, and also of course two of the teams we talked about earlier. Maybe one of those teams comes out of that series feeling really good, uh, and we will we will find out. Definitely a lot of fun young players to watch in that one. Uh, also, I know you mentioned Orioles A's, but I mean, Grayson, Grayson home debut tomorrow night. That'll be very cool. Uh, the, the first G-Rod Camden Yarns experience. So certainly be locked in for that one. But we'll be back on Wednesday to uh, check back in. I mean, that's our job. We podcast three times a week and we are very lucky to do it. So we thank you all for listening. Any final thoughts before we thank our producer and say goodbye? I watched golf. Hmm. Yesterday, I watched the Masters for about 20 minutes. Um, at the end? I watched some before I, I left. At the I mean, end. I, yeah. Um, I Maybe I'm wrong, but I think golfers are getting beefier. That there's mm. more rotational heft involved. And I'm for that. I don't think I will watch any more golf for another year. But I do like the last 20 minutes of the Masters. And it makes me envious that we don't have a a green jacket type thing. Because it is so cool that you get to wear your prize. And I wish, I, I know the Blue Jays had their home run jacket. But I wish that baseball had something like the current home run leader, you know, in baseball gets like a special jersey with like special numbers or we could update jerseys live over the course of the season. So, you know, fans who aren't particularly in can know who's what. It just got me thinking about all that, you know? No, I think I think the green jacket is a is a is an undeniably cool sports it's thing. Sweet. So it's sweet. I'm with you on that, no matter how much you're going to actually watch golf. Not at all. Uh, shouts out. And of course, shouts out Chris Vernon. You know, Tony Finau, where he be now. It's the best. Still my favorite every year. Uh, still the best uh, Twitter uh, video that I could possibly click on. So uh, obviously, shouts out to him as well. All right. We're done. Andrew Emmer has produced this episode. Thank you to Andrew Emmer for producing in uh, pinch potting, pinch, pinch producing for Chris Tyler, who will be back on Wednesday. Uh, so thank you to Andrew Emmer. Thank you, Jake Mintz, for co-hosting. And uh, we will uh, be back on Wednesday with more Baseball Barbercast. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll be there too, I, I think. Serious XM Podcasts.